Hello and welcome to the MB Om podcast, where you will learn to master the business of yoga with guests from around the world who have experienced becoming successful yoga teachers, studio owners, and much more. Now, here's your host, Amanda Kingsmith. Hey everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the MBM Podcast. I am so excited that you've decided to join me today. Before we dive into today's episode of the podcast, we've got two super awesome sponsors for the show. The first one is Blist. Blist is an online wellness platform and community, which offers programs to help you feel fully alive. Their Simply Awaken program is a 21-day commitment for a total mind, body, and soul reset. It's a great program to kick off the new year and take control over your health. For 21 days, you complete an elimination diet while increasing fat and vegetable intake with the beneficial practice of intermittent fasting. Everything is organized and planned for you with weekly grocery lists, meal plans, and delicious recipes. Enjoy access to a full library of yoga videos for different styles, energy levels, and time commitments with a focus on cleansing. In addition, there is a mindfulness library with guided meditations and journal prompts to track your progress and go deeper into self-awareness. This is not a one-and-done program. It's to teach you to notice how different foods and practices affect you. Simply Awaken encourages you to advocate for a higher standard of health in your life. Go to welcome to blist and use promotion code I am blist. So I A M B L I S S E D all one word for 25% off their program. What do you think? Just 21 days to reclaim your health and your life. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Offering Tree. Most wellness professionals struggle with creating a website and a digital presence. So Offering Tree created easy to use software that guides yoga teachers through the process in about 30 minutes. That's right, you can have a website in 30 minutes. Offering Tree's website tools allow teachers to put their schedule on their own branded website and allows their students to book classes and even pay online. Your Offering Tree website will have a whole host of other tools to help you be a successful teacher like a newsletter and a blog, website traffic analytics, search engine optimization, client communication tools, and more. Offering Tree really does make it simple to have a website and takes care of the tech side of teaching. So if you've been putting off creating a website because you think it will be a headache, you should really give them a try. To get started on your website today, check out offeringtree.com forward slash MBM. Again, check out offeringtree.com forward slash MBM to create your new website today. All right, on to today's episode of the podcast. I am so excited to be joined by the co-founder of the Yogi's Journal, Matt Kowald. Matt joins me all the way from Canada, even though you'll hear pretty quick on that his accent is very, very different from mine. He's originally from Australia, and we talk a little bit about why he's so crazy to be in uh, cold, cold Canada when he could be in sunny, warm Australia. We also talk about the Yogi's Journal, what it was like to create a journal, what that process was like, what he learned through it, as well as the whole reason behind it. And we dive deeper into that, talking about habits, creating habits, finding triggers, and being able to set habits that you'll actually maintain for a long period of time. We also talk about the process to getting rid of bad habits, because along with creating new habits, lots of us want to break those really, really bad habits that we've had for a while. I know that this episode was super, super inspiring for me. And I'm going to give you a little update at the end of the episode talking about since I recorded with Matt about about two months ago, 
I've really been able to use a lot of what he's talking about in this episode to change a couple of my routines. So I'll, I'll update you guys on that at the end. As well, we talk about morning routines, evening routines, and lots of stuff in between. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. And without further ado, here is Matt. Welcome to the show today, Matt. Hey, Amanda. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And as listeners can probably hear, you are Australian, but you're actually in Canada right now. Is that right? Yeah, I decided to travel to the other well, other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> the other side for you. Where are you based? I'm currently based like in St. Catherine, so that's near Niagara Falls. Nice. But originally, I'm like from a small town in Australia, so it's close to Perth, Western Australia, which is the only city on the western side, but yeah, so from a small country town. And what inspired you to move from the nice weather to the freezing cold barren land that is Canada. <laughs> so I started off in martial arts when I was a young kid and then as I got on like amateur wrestling so it's not the wrestling where you're in a ring but it's like the wrestling on a mat in the Olympics and so I was pretty lucky like I found it and then I found like in Australia it's not too big but I wanted to get into it deeper and then I knew that Canada was pretty good. Canada and US are very good and so I was at university at the time in Curtin University which is exercise sport and rehabilitation science Mm -hmm. and they had a co-op with Brock University which is in St. Catharines, Ontario. So then I decided to come over for six months to try it out and then tried wrestling here and loved it and then transferred so oh that's cool and so you've been in canada for how long now three and a half years oh wow you're like almost as canadian as me now i'm getting there i just need to get the accent (laughs) yeah yeah exactly yeah (laughs) awesome so I'm curious, like I want to dive into, you know, habits and the Yogi's Journal and so much, but can you give me kind of like the back story as to where the idea for this journal came from and kind of just your background with, with yoga and, and all of that? Yeah, of course. So I found yoga through martial arts. So like 2011 ish, I started doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which is more of a gentle sort of flow and then you like need to be flexible as part of it. So I found yoga as a correspondence and started doing asanas and it wasn't until a lot later, like when I came to Canada in 2014 that I discovered the other aspects of yoga because yoga is not too big in where I am from in Australia. It's really small. So I was just doing asanas based off of just following a few people on YouTube. And then so habits all came through one of my teachers in martial arts was always talking about habits and being mindful and then obviously I have an exercise background so I went to university in Curtin and was studying exercise sport and rehabilitation science and then I learned more about habits and how behaviors become automatic through motor learning and then coming all the way over to Canada in then I like transferred my degree into kinesiology mm-hmm. and I dive deeper and so I looked into motor learning, motor development, and discovered Charles Duhigg's book, which is like the power of habits. And everything started to click and like made sense how our brain makes things automatic. And so to me, like yoga, so that's why I would say where the journaling aspect came from. I journal a lot for athletics. Like it's one thing that 
a lot of athletes are encouraged to do because it helps us reflect on our practice, reflect, like, reflect on what we're doing. So in yoga, obviously, it's very aha, so it comes under self-study. So we're so, like studying ourselves where we can improve. And then so I was doing it one night and then after a yoga practice, and that sort of clicked because it was the what I was using at the time, like I use a bunch of journals. So I have one for like my business mind, I got one for athletics and I got one for yoga. And I was using it's a thing called the five minute journal, so it's like for gratitude. So I find gratitude a nice thing to get my mind frame right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I wonder if there's one that would incorporate everything for yoga because at the time I was like trying to get a very good morning ritual in place. And like I know a lot about triggers and habits and I was wondering if there's a journal that would just put it all together in a nice layout so it would just remind me of the small things so I could have a consistent routine every day. Awesome. And, then, and so did you look for one and discover that what you wanted didn't exist and created it or how did that kind of happen? Yeah, I was like looking for one and there was nothing really like the way I envisioned it. So like I wanted to include all eight limbs because obviously there's like one – there's like some things that cover just one aspect or journaling and everything, but I wanted to try and create like a holistic approach to remind people like the, all the aspects of yoga because when you combine them the most, I found it helped me the most. So I wanted to encourage going through the whole eight limbs. Yeah, that's incredible. And uh, what was the process like for actually creating like a physical journal? <laughs> um, it's a lot crazier than I imagined. Like at first, I was like, "Well, people make books and stuff, so it can't be too hard." And I'm glad I didn't know how hard it was when I started. <laughs> Would you have like given up at that point? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I may have, but that's a good thing that I didn't. Yeah. So I like reached out to one of my friends in England, Laura. She blogs a lot, and she's an experienced yoga teacher. And so we were going back and forth with our ideas. So like what we're doing right now talking is what we were doing for about four months just so I started writing one section we'll say we'll write this section you write this section and then we combined our ideas and then I had to learn some fun things as most business listeners are probably used to so I had to learn InDesign and learn how to format a book and then how to get proofs done and then find an editor and this and that. So it was like a process that took about six months to get a sample. And then, so if anyone's ever interested in making a product, there's a nice resource called Alibaba where you can go online and type what you're looking for and find like manufacturers all over the world. And so I used that and I was like looking for obviously an environment friendly manufacturer that would be able to make it and put it together beautifully to, to give the full experience and then I sorted that and a lot of late night phone calls and eventually it came. <laughs> That's amazing. And so you received like this journal in the mail. What was it like to actually see your kind of vision come to life like that? It was pretty crazy like because at first I used Create Space, which is an Amazon thing and put it on paper. So I had that first initial experience seeing it. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible but when I actually had it because I like wanted it in a sliding box so people could store it away after they're finished. I like pulled it out and I was like, wow. It was like kind of, I don't know, like the same when you, if you ever get like a nice present, it's like unwrapping a present. It's like just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I have one of them and I, I had that experience opening it too. It is a nice experience. So it's cool to be able to know what that's like as the consumer as well. But yeah, congrats making it through that process. I'm sure that there's, 
was lots of kind of barriers to entry and probably lots of roadblocks along the way. Yeah, it was definitely a journey, but it's never as fun if you don't experience that journey and those bumps along the way. So. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I think there's a quote somewhere out there, which I'm going to totally butcher, but it, the essence of the quote is that um, everything that's great is you have to work for it. So like nothing that's really good comes easy, essentially. Yeah, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I should probably actually find the actual quote for that because I know I completely destroyed that. Somebody's like rolling over in their grave right now or just being <laughs> like, oh, God, <laughs> you completely destroyed my quote. But <laughs> you get the point. <laughs> just create your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. My really bad version of it. Um, so uh, that's awesome. Let's dive into habits and creating new habits and stuff because I know that's a lot about you know what you do and what you're interested in a lot about what the yogi's journal is all about so can you start with sort of talking about like what exactly a habit is yeah for sure so a habit's like a fun thing like I realized when I, I went to India not too long ago and like one of the I was listening to my philosophy teacher was talking about samskaras and that's when it clicked how deeply ingrained it was into yoga. Like I knew it was a part, but I didn't realize how deeply of a part it was into yoga. So there's these things and like so we call them habits and in Sanskrit there's samskaras. And samskara is just an impression that happens in your mind. So when you do something like so say whatever you do, if you tie your shoes, there's a small impression and you remember how to do it, it's stored in your mind. And then if you do it repeatedly, then over time it becomes deeper and deeper and great and like how they like to explain in a lot of the yogi um, books like I was studying a lot of the Bihar school of yoga mm-hmm. and then in the they've got a book about karma yoga and they relate some skaras into karma yoga and they were saying that as over time as a wave comes it forms a little sandbank and then as a wave continuously comes a sandbank becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and then the wave crashes more often over that sandbank. So it's like in the same way, if we can like repeat a practice over time, then it becomes automatic. So my favorite example is like tying a shoe. So if you go to tie your shoe and you do it for the first time, you have to really explain it. And then there's like a lot of little stories to make it easier, like the rabbit going around the loop, going in the hole, pulling it back through. And then if you had to think about that every time and it didn't become automatic, it'd be pretty a stressful day thinking about every single little thing you have to do. So then to counter that, your mind makes it become automatic. So over practice and practice and practice, eventually you don't have to think about tying up your shoe and you just do it. And you can talk to someone while you're doing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think about that quite a bit, like all the things that we do where we're able to multitask because like, it'd be so crazy, especially when you think about getting up in the morning, like if we had to think about brushing our teeth and putting our clothes on and stuff, it'd be, we'd be so exhausted by the time we even started making breakfast before we even got out the door. (laughs) It'd be a long day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so that's definitely like a good basis for, I think where we're going to go with this conversation, um, creating new habits. So I think for a lot of people, they're looking to create things like, especially in the yoga world, like morning routines, um, maybe meditation practices, maybe even getting their yoga practice regular. How do we actually go about creating this habit? So I I guess like when we're young and we learn to tie a shoe, it's like, or we learn to brush our teeth or something, we 
we just do it because we have to. But then there's so many other things in our lives where we're like, yeah, I want to do this. But as adults, our brain tricks us out of doing these things, even though we know they're good for us. So how do we actually create that new habit? Yes, that's a very good point. Like my brain tries to, I guess our brain is trying to trick us a lot. Mm -hmm. And then that comes into like, so there's two models I love to use. So in Charles Duhigg, he's got the book of The Power of Habit. He uses a model where he talks about trigger, action, and reward. And then there's another very good professor that studies it. His name is BJ Fogg, and he talks about, but within the trigger, there's like three things that have to fall into place. You have to have the trigger, you have to have the motivation to do it, and you have to have the ability to do it. And if any one of those things fall away, then the habit will not happen, and then you won't do it anymore. So like the way I like to think of a trigger is sometimes like for me when I was at university, um, I had a crazy good routine and I like got it every day. I'd start my day with my daily ritual, my morning practice and everything like that because I knew I had to get it in before my university schedule, which started at this time. But as soon as university went away, (laughs) my morning ritual kind of went away at the same time. So I had to find a new trigger to tie it to. And so we have the triggers and then obviously the motivation. Motivation's a funny thing. It often comes at the wrong time. Like there's been so many night times when I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get up at 5.30 a.m. I'm going to do an hour of yoga and then I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, why is it so hard now? Yeah, you don't like feel like you want to do it at all at that point. <laughs> yeah, you get up and you're this like, This was a oh. stupid idea. <laughs> <laughs> It's like there's a different person at the time. So, like, motivation comes from a lot of different things. You've got your environment around you. So, in yoga, they talk about it a lot, where they talk about your environment and socha, where it's cleanliness. And if your environment's messy and cluttered, then obviously, like, this comes into work life as well. If your environment's cluttered, then you can't think as clearly. And then, obviously, you don't have the same motivation. So if you can create your environment to serve you, so we'll bring it to the morning practice. So say you wanted to do yoga first thing in the morning. If you created a clean environment that had good energy around it and you had your yoga mat ready to roll out or already rolled out and then whatever clothes that you want to do your yoga practice in the morning ready to go, it will be a lot easier because you're like, okay, it's already done. The first step's done. So I need less, like I have to do less things to get to the behavior you want to do. And then it also comes in with the people that you surround yourself with. So if you're surrounding yourself with people that are motivated and doing the same behavior and you look up to it, then you're more likely to do it. Whereas if you're surrounding people like, why are you trying to get up that early? Why are you trying to do this practice? Why don't you just sleep? Then it's going to be a lot harder to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much good stuff in there. I've definitely found for me, if I'm trying to build a habit, especially like a morning habit, because I'm not really a morning person, like less barriers to entry is really important for me. Like if I want to go to the gym, my gym stuff needs to be like laid out and my bag needs to be packed and I need to have like, I don't know, like all the ingredients of my smoothie, like ready to be blended or, or whatever it is, like so that there's as little amounts of decision making I guess like it just makes it easier yeah that's it like yeah that's like hitting the head on the nail like if there's less resistance then obviously there's less things to do and you're like if you've already committed to it then it makes it a lot easier like there's a thing called the Zaganak effect where if you start something you want to finish it so that's like really important when it comes to motivation because there was like 
I couldn't find the exact research, but I've heard a lot of articles quoting that motivation often doesn't come until like you've started a thing. Some people say like two minutes in. Like I'm sure you've experienced it if you're trying to write a blog post. And you're like, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. And then you get started writing, and then two minutes later, you're in. You're like, Oh, I love to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like the funny thing. Like same with the yoga practice. If some mornings you're like, I really don't want to get on the mat. I really don't get on the mat. And then you do a sun salutation, you do two, and then you're in your flow. And like, Oh, I love this. So it's like the first two minutes. So the idea when you're creating a habit for the first time, or there's something that you don't normally do, you really want to decrease the barrier and plan out the first two minutes. What's so like, what can I do to make it easy? So if you're starting and you really don't want to make it too hard, the trick is to make it as easy as yourself when you're possible. So just say, I'm just going to get on my mat for 30 seconds. I'll just roll out my mat, get into child pose, focus on my breathing for a while, and then see what happens from there and make the barrier of entry so small that it's like you don't have any excuses not to do it. And then over time, you keep repeating that, you keep repeating that, and it becomes a habit, and then you can increase it, and then you can increase it again, and slowly make your way up to whatever practice you want to have in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that that's a really good way of approaching that. So it's it's kind of like, instead of being like, I'm going to get up at 5am and practice for two hours, it's like, I'm just going to get on my mat, and I'm going to do like at least two minutes and just see what happens from there. Um, Because I think that sometimes we do, we kind of try to jump all in with these big things and it makes it, again, it's kind of like a barrier to entry, like it makes it harder, right? It's better to start small and then build up. And then that's where the all or nothing mindset comes in. Like a lot of people have these revolutions, yes, I'm going to start this, I'm going to start that. But then they try to go right into the deep end and then they like think, oh, I can't do two hours, I'm just going to do nothing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then so another little trick is setting an upper limit. So when you're starting, you're like, okay, I've got time, but I'm not going to go more than this because if you do like, if you push yourself too much, it's like not everyone does this, but some people will like push themselves a lot and they'll get an hour and it feels perfect, and then they'll use that as their benchmark and they're like, well, if I can't get in the hour and I'm not going to get anything in. So then if you set a like upper limit, so you're like, well, if I'm feeling really good, the max I'm going to do is ten minutes and then slowly increase that over time as well, then you know you've got your lower limit. It's going to be at least this, and then you've got your upper limit, and then whatever is in the process you can feel comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, I think, a good way to approach it. And I'm just thinking about myself with habits, and I feel like that's not something I do. Like, I feel like for me, if I think about, like, going to the gym, it's like, I'll get this like urge to go and then I'll be there for like two hours (laughs) that I'm so exhausted. I don't go again for like two weeks. Yeah, it's so easy to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really natural sort of human way that we approach things, which is kind of bizarre. But uh, yeah, definitely all about those like little, little progresses. Um, I've read kind of different, I guess, things around how long it takes to to build a habit. Like I've read 21 days, I've read 30 days, I've read like 45 days. Is there like a certain amount of time on average that it takes to like build a habit that we kind of have to commit to it? Well, every answer that you said is correct. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, it's a weird thing habits like. So if you think about like this law of 1000 hours to become a master, but then that all depends on how difficult the task is. So there was like a little study that was done and they found that it was like 18 to 200 and something days, that's around the 250 range. 
and it all depended on how difficult the habit was. But obviously, once the habit's created, you're still doing the behavior all the time, otherwise the habit's removed. So the truthful answer is like all the time, but for it to become easier, more automatic, anywhere between the like 18 day onwards is what they found. Like if it was a really difficult task, it might take a long, long time. But if it's fairly simple, then not so long. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that's, it's it's crazy to think about like 250 days is like a good chunk of a year, right? Like to think yeah. about doing that thing consistently for that long before it's really ingrained in you. And it's also, I feel like it's it's really interesting because with habits, it it is so much harder to build the habit consistently than it is to just let it go. Like I just think about, I remember after I graduated university and I started working, I'd got back from a big trip and I was like, okay, you know, I'm feeling like really unfit. Like I need to get back into the habit of going to the gym regularly. And I built up that habit and I did it consistently for like two years. And then I traveled again and I moved and I didn't have a gym that I was going to regularly. And it was so easy for me to lose that habit. Like so easy. Like it was just like nothing for me to just stop going. Yeah, as soon as your like environment changes or your like trigger that you used to use changes, then <laughs> it, like the whole habit that you've worked so hard to can just disappear. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Do you have any tips for kind of you know those habits? And even I've done the same thing with morning routines as well and meditation. Um, do you have any tips for kind of if we lose those habits, which I think is a really natural thing to do, like we come and go with things to kind of get back into the habits quickly? Because like we know, obviously, if we built a habit of like going to the gym or meditating every morning, like we know that that feels good. But how do we like get ourselves back into that faster? Yeah, so I've got a few things Like the first thing I like to say is, make sure you come from like a place of Ahimsa, so you're like self-loving, like don't beat up yourself because you've lost the habit. Because a lot of people do that and they're like, well, I used to be able to do this, I used to be able to do that. And then they just like kind of at the despise what they're doing at the moment and then they get more in a loop. They're like, I wish I could be like that. And then they try to jump back into what they were doing before but without realizing all the little steps that they took to get to there before. Right. So, like my number one tip is like come from that place of self-love like yes I was there and I can back get back to there but what's reasonable right now because a lot of things have changed like your environment's changed your schedule's changed so it's like what can I work around to that's not like stressing me out too much and I can slowly work my way up to back to where I was right yeah no that definitely makes sense I think that's like thinking about if you're like I don't know. I, I guess even meditation is a good example of that because meditation is definitely something where you don't, most people don't just sit down and meditate for an hour. Like if you're meditating for an hour, you've worked towards that. But I think it makes me think about like weight training or long distance running as well. Like it's one of those things where it feels really good to be able to like lift something heavy and to know that you've got there or to be able to run a long distance. But then if you don't do it for a while, you can't just or at least for me, I can't just go out and run like 10 kilometers. Like I would need to work myself back up to that. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I experienced that recently. Like I'd had knee surgery. And so I was like, man, I used to be able to do this. I used to be able to do that. And I was just like reminding myself, okay, Ahimsa, I'm here. Like I've done this. I know I can do it. But right now, if I try to do that, I'll just be hurting myself. So I've got to come back, take a step back, ask myself. Like A big thing I like to do is come back to why. Like why you want to do it is it if it's for others and like serving the ego, then most likely it won't be long lasting because I, the way I like to think of it is like the ego always 
focuses on like initial gratification like if you're feeling upset or you're stressed a lot of people's well my personal trigger used to be like grab a block of chocolate and start eating that and then you get that instant gratification Mm -hmm. but then two hours later your body's like reasoning with you like you shouldn't have done that and then you like feel guilty and then you (laughs) so it's like a sort of like a trap so it's like focusing on working out why you want to do it, making sure it resonates with you. And if it's not resonating with you right now, maybe it's not right for you. So you got to think, okay, why do I want to do it? Is it for my ego? Is it to impress someone? Or, or do I understand why it's going to actually help me and it's for myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that introspection. I think that definitely makes me think of, of running. Like I ran a half marathon a couple of years ago and I trained for it. It was on my goals, blah, blah, blah. And then I did it and I was like, I just don't think I want to run anymore. But there's definitely still a part of like my ego that was like, you know, I want to be able to like go out and be able to run. But then there's also the part of me that's like, I don't really want to work towards that. So I, I guess it's like always looking at like kind of what's underneath kind of where we come from with, with our intentions behind things, I guess you could say. Yes. For sure, like discovering the real like root, I guess you'd say, like the, where the intention comes from. Is it from the ego and like wanting to please like some people? It's trying to please their parents, their old self, their friends, or is it from a sense of like I actually want to do this? Understand how it will make me grow. Understand why. So like having a clear understanding and then writing it down is a big thing. Like whenever you write something down. It's sort of like a way of making it become ingrained and then you can look at it and you'll be like, if you're like, why am I doing this? Like when you get up in the morning and then you look at it and you're like, that's right, that's why I'm doing it. So it's like a sort of a thing that you can use to increase your motivation. But you can't do that if you're not clear of yourself. If you're writing like, I wouldn't say a lie, but because the ego is part of you, but if you're writing down something that doesn't resonate with you, then it makes it very hard to do it for long term. Like when you get into difficult stages, say you've done it consistently for a while and you're getting to a point where it's becoming like a little boring or it's becoming stale or something's not right or something comes up in the way, then if it's not resonating with you, it's very very easy to push it aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I relate to that a lot. I think that that's it's so interesting because I think that a lot of us can relate to the idea of like, oh, I started this habit because like, you know, society told me that I should be able to do this. Like I should be able to lift this much weight or I should be able to do this pose in yoga or I should be able to meditate for this long. And then sometimes we'll resist those things like like I've done with running. Um, and I think that it is important to understand where that's coming from. Like, are you creating a habit for you or are you creating a habit because like you feel like you should do that? And I think in my own experience, I can definitely identify the habits that have been successful because they've come from something that I understand why I want to do it versus something that I really resist because I actually don't really care about it or I don't really want to do it. I just feel like maybe I should. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure many of the listeners can relate as well. I'm the same and no one's perfect. And then they think, and then the, the real damage comes when they don't do it. And then some people ingrain it to themselves and they're related back to themselves, not understanding why they couldn't do it. And then they just say, I can't do this. I'm a failure. And then they get really guilty. And then that's when a lot of people just just give up on habits and their personal practice. And it's not good. So that's why I like like to say my founding experience is like understanding the why, making sure it resonates for you. And always remind yourself like, so obviously the two, like the first two of the, Sorry, yeah, the first two is Ahimsa and Satya. So it's like being truthful to yourself and then coming from a place of like love, not doing harm. 
So always relating back to that when you're trying to create a habit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love that. So that makes me think of morning routines. I feel like as an entrepreneur, you there's a lot of sort of stuff kind of floating out around in the world about how, you know, we should have a morning routine to be successful as an entrepreneur. And I definitely don't think that that's, you know, incorrect. I think that waking up and having your routine routine can help you be really successful. Um, But I also think it's finding something again that feels right for you or that is something that feels really good to set up your day. Um, What are sort of your thoughts around morning routines and how to set up, I guess, a successful morning routine? Yeah, I love morning routines and the way I think of it is everyone has a morning routine whether they realize it or not because our first normal steps when we're tired are normally the same like some people get up and then they leave, they don't make their bed, they don't do this, they don't do that. They still got a morning routine, it just consists of not doing certain behaviors and other people have all this planned out, they'll do an hour of meditation, they'll do an hour of practice, they'll get up at 4.30 a.m. and then so everyone's different but like once again, coming back to a place of starting small, understanding where it comes from. Some people can't get to bed until 12 or 11 p.m. Then obviously waking up at 4.30 p.m., I mean 4.30 a.m. might be doing a lot more harm than good. So mm-hmm. it's like, and then in the, in the like Vedas, they mentioned, ooh, I'm not sure exactly where in the Vedas, but I know in a lot of Ayurveda texts, they mentioned about the Ayurveda morning ritual, about cleansing, doing this, it's like, so tongue scraping, clearing your um, intestines, brushing your teeth, skin brushing and everything. So they have a long list of that. So it's been related back like thousands of years they've been talking about them. And everyone has one. So it's like whether you want to make it serving to you or if you just want to go about it every day is mm-hmm. like how I like to think of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, I remember I got some products from a company called Banyan Botanicals in the States and they're an Ayurvedic company with like herbs and stuff like that. And they sent me some like, I don't know, little pamphlet or whatever that came with products one time when I ordered and it was talking all about like the traditional Ayurvedic morning routine. I remember looking at it and feeling really overwhelmed by how much stuff was on there. Like I think there was like like dry brushing and clearing your nasal passage and drinking water so that you can like clear your intestinal tract and uh, tongue scraping and then like giving yourself a self massage. And I was like, my God, who has time for this before they start work? <laughs> um, but I feel like that's, and I think that that's yeah. like not uh, an uncommon sort of response to that type of thing. Uh, so I think it's, again, it's a reminder of like, okay, what is important to you? What makes you feel good? How much time do you realistically have before you need to hop on your computer or you need to leave the house or you need to get your kids to school or whatever and setting up your routine kind of within that. Um, would you agree? I completely agree. Like, I was, I've been like writing a lot about habits lately, and then I was looking into them. I was like, that's a very long list. And then, so after you finish all your cleansing, then they recommend go do some pranayama, some asanas, and some meditation. But then you got to think back when those were written, like a long, long time ago. So, like somewhere around 3,000 plus years, or somewhere around that time frame, it was. They didn't have to worry about work. <laughs> they didn't have to worry about too much. They didn't have to worry about technology. They didn't have to worry about running around everywhere. So they had a lot of time in the morning to do the like, extra form of self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you feel like is a good kind of starting point for a morning routine? And and I know you said like we already probably have like habits that we do. Um, I know for me, I've definitely got some good morning habits and some like not so good morning habits that I'd like to shift, but 
you know, what are, what's sort of like a good starting point for somebody who's looking to make like a sort of solid positive morning routine? So what I would do, I would say start off writing exactly what you do every morning or most mornings. Like, so when you feel best, what do you do? Like, so you have, say like you get up, you drink a glass of warm lemon water, you make your bed, you go and scrape your tongue, you brush your teeth, you clear in your intestines, and then you do yoga for 10 minutes at asanas, you do some pranayama, you do a little bit of meditation or whatever you do in the morning. Like I'm just throwing some common ones out. And then you obviously have breakfast. For me, I love my coffee in the morning. And yeah, so just write out everything you do when you feel really good in the morning. Like don't feel guilty at all. Just write some stuff down and then make a list. And write out what you want to do. But make sure, coming back to Ahims and Satya, make sure that it's not something that you see others doing and you want to do it to please your ego. Make sure you understand why you want to do it, that it resonates with you. And then, like, so write that list down and then don't get overwhelmed. Like, there's a lot of things that I want to do in my morning that I'm not doing in my morning yet. Mm-hmm. But over time, it will come. Like, if you try and do too much at once, then it's like very easy to feel like overwhelmed or they often call it like burnout where you just get it's like that much that you're like I can't do it anymore and then you stop doing it at all mm-hmm. yeah yeah I have a friend who is working on his morning routine and we were talking about what he was doing and I was like man like what time do you get up to like be out the door at like seven thirty to do this he had like running and yoga and I think some like weightlifting and journaling and he was trying to write a blog post and I was like have you like thought about maybe doing a little less in your morning? Cause I was just like, man, you're making me tired. And he was struggling with it. Like he was struggling to get up in the time that he needed to get all that stuff done. And and I think it's great to like be ambitious, obviously. Like I don't think we should tame our ambition to, to be solid humans or anything, but I do think that there is a realistic aspect like you're saying within that, because it's so much easier to hit snooze or turn our alarm off or reset it. when we wake up tired? I think that having something that's really manageable is really important, at least like in my personal experience. Yeah, 100% agree. Like that's where I went wrong a lot of times. Like, I used to try and do a crazy amount in the mornings and then as soon as one thing went wrong, I just like hit the snooze, hit the snooze, hit the snooze and then all of a sudden I don't have time for anything. <laughs> so it's like starting off really, really small, like knowing that eventually you'll get there but it's like a journey like your first say the first time you get on a mat and do an asana practice you can't do as much but like you look at how you improve over time like as years go by all of a sudden you're doing stuff that you couldn't imagine you'd be able to do before so it's like not trying to do everything at once but enjoying the journey and realizing that there is going to be a journey Mm -hmm. yeah yeah absolutely so one of the things that I've struggled the most with the morning routine is like snoozing my alarm (laughs) so it's like the intention is there finding some good stuff that I want to do but then my alarm goes off and I'm like you know what I would rather sleep for 30 more minutes than like make lemon water and and journal and meditate how do you or what are some tips for kind of getting excited about your morning routine and kind of overcoming that will to just stay in bed or to snooze a little bit more yeah so it all comes back to that first two minutes like when I first wake up I'm not a very well, sometimes I'm a happy person, but sometimes I'm just I just want to go back back to sleep. But I used to hit the snooze button, and one thing that I found that really helped is putting the alarm out of arm's reach. So I had to get out of bed to turn it off. So my boyfriend does that. 
<laughs> that's tip number one. Okay. And then another thing, so once you've planned out your morning routine, try and make it as less resistance as possible. So as you were saying before, if you make it less resistance, so for me, I like to have my lemon water already made and ready to go. So I put it in a, like a bottle and then I keep it there. And then in the morning when I get up, I'll drink that. And then I'll go straight to the washroom and then I'll do like cleansing. So, And then as you're doing cleansing and you're washing your face with cold water or warm water or anything that you do, you start to feel awake. And then by the time you come back in your room or wherever you like, so wherever you are to next, then if your environment's already, already set up, when you're feeling motivated, like at nighttime or whenever you feel motivated, get your environment ready. So then this is least resistant as possible. So, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And the less you have to to do to get to the next things the easier it will be Mm -hmm. yeah no that definitely makes sense i think that maybe moving my phone away from my bedside might be key for me (laughs) yeah uh, that's what what i like to do because if my phone's in my room um i don't know what it is but like the way they're designed you just impulse to check it so i like to put my phone on flight mode turn off all my notifications and keep it out of sight until I finish my morning routine. And then because the notifications are designed to grab your attention, they're designed to like try and pull you into what's happening in the day. And once you do that, if you do that first thing when you're like in a reactive mode and you haven't prepped your mind, you're not wide awake, then it's very easy to get sucked in and spend 30 minutes on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say that that's probably like one of my worst morning habits is one, snoozing or just resetting my alarm because I work from home. Uh, so that's a that's a bad one and then recognizing that I need to get up but because there's not that like physical need to get up it's like okay well like checking my email or checking my notifications like a good way to wake up my brain but it's not a good way to wake up my brain like it's like I know it's not but it's one of those things that it's like I could stay in bed and do this or I could like get up and there's definitely a part of my like a tricky part of my brain that's like let's just stay in bed and do it it's fine (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's like it's always trying to make you i guess the brain's designed to conserve energy because mm-hmm. like we're designed obviously when we're going back way way back to our primal instincts it's like fight or flight and so you're trying to conserve energy when you're in the rest mode so that if something does come up you've got plenty of energy to run away or fight or do whatever you have to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i was talking with somebody the other day about how um i think it was like I was working with a personal trainer and just working on like engaging all sort of muscles of the body. And we were just talking about how like our bodies are kind of lazy. Like it's like, if we don't need to engage a muscle, we just don't do it. (laughs) Yes. I get that so much. I'm a personal trainer as well as like a yoga teacher. And then when I'm with my clients, I talk about it all the time. Like the, you see it, they'll try and like, I do the same. You're like doing a squat, and you're like almost to the like to the 90 degree angle and like going below 90 for some people with weights but then like you get to like you got 20 degrees to go and then you start going up like the last little bits are hardest and you often avoid it because you know that's where most of the energy is expended (laughs) yeah no absolutely i was having the same experience and even like just being like man i need to like use my glutes like they're this gigantic muscle that's just like being saggy on the back of my body like let's like engage them and make them active (laughs) and he's like it's not just you like it's just our body will just be relaxed if it has the option and you have to be intentional about teaching them to turn on and teaching them to be i guess to use your muscle you could say there's a lot of positive self-talk that goes into it (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) for sure um, so 
I guess related to morning routines. Like I feel like you hear about morning routines a lot more, but for me as somebody who works from home and who can easily get caught up doing emails late at night, I found that a nightly routine is equally as important for me to have a successful day. What are sort of your thoughts on nighttime routines, how to create them, what to do in them and that sort of thing? I love night routines because it's like a sort of, is coming back to habits and if you repeat it long enough it's teaching your brain to shut off at a certain time because as like business-minded people entrepreneurs like the mind can be on go 24 7 because we're not like at the everyday job where it's like nine to five or whatever you are and then you just leave work there and then you're changing environments so if you're out working at home then you're always in that work environment which makes it very difficult to shut off so, like, if you're making a nightly routine, but well, I believe they're extremely important. And if you want to wake up early, then you got to make sure that you're getting bed and getting enough sleep. Otherwise, you won't have the motivation and the energy in the morning to do your morning routine. Yeah, absolutely. I would 100% agree with that just from my own personal experience. What are a couple of things we can do in our sort of nighttime routine? And I guess there's there's probably almost like two parts to that, at least for me, somebody who works on my computer most of the day. Like I feel like there's like my shutdown process for my work and then there's like my nighttime routine a couple hours later. Yeah, so what I would suggest that I like to, for me, I find that I sleep the best and I feel the most relaxed when I get away from all electronics like an hour before bedtime. So for me, I like to try and get to sleep between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. And then so I'll try and because the blue lights and the screens, even with blue night blockers and stuff, all the information is constantly going in their brain. It will keep it active for a very long time. So I like to try and for me, I like got a very mixed day because I'm doing training and then I go to work sometimes and then I'm working at home and then this and that. So I try to push emails and everything like what you're saying until like almost to go to bed mm-hmm. but if I can force myself and say okay 9 p.m cut off time put it away put like your phone away and like avoid blue lights and then you can start to down so it's like what can I replace these behaviors with if you like reading maybe you could read a nice book make a tea talk with other people and just do that for a little while while you're shutting off so it's like you're still going but you're slowly shutting off and then plan out what you want to do. So it's like you could say, okay, I'm going into my room, but I'll leave my phone out in the bathroom or somewhere away from where you are. And then you could do some like slow uh, slow yoga flow, whatever you want to do, some pranayama, some meditation or something, and slowly shutting off your mind. And then so it's like planning, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and then I'll go to sleep. And then if you repeat that enough times, then it will be automatic. And then when you hit the bed, you'll be fast to sleep. So that's like the idea of a nightly routine. And then it's like, so what can you do that will serve you the next morning? So if you can get some nice deep stretching, some like yin-style yoga in, and then that will help relax. And then looking after your body, making sure that you are going back to cleanliness, cleaning yourself, setting up the environment for the next day and winding down and then it will help you to get a better night's sleep and then you can wake up in the morning feeling more energized and do your morning routine as well Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I love that I think that that's so important I I personally find nighttime routines a little bit easier than than morning routines maybe it's just because like nighttime is an easier hour with my energy levels than the morning is um but I love like turning off my computer like at 
I guess I'm, I'm not as good with my phone. I, I should probably be more intentional about that, but turning off my computer like a couple hours before bed and then like taking a bath and doing some stretching and maybe some journaling and reading my book for a while and then kind of like easing into going to sleep. And I find I sleep so well when I do, when I do that consistently. Yeah. It's like crazy. The difference would make like, you can't really imagine it. And then another thing, like before with the, whenever you're trying to create a habit, make sure that your environment's serving. So plan out what you'd like to do. So like, okay, for me, before I get to bed, what will make me feel best? And you like write it down and you're like, okay, what's feasible for me to do right now? And then make a list. And then another thing that I haven't really touched on, but it's like the whole thing about triggers and what makes a behavior happen. So like you can have two types of triggers. So you can have a trigger based on like a sort of like an action. You see something. So one way I like to think of it is like a say you're going to the shops and your trigger is when you get to the shops and you're like, oh, no, I forgot my like reusable bags. The trigger's a shop, but it's at the wrong time. You're like, well, that's not much use to me. Or you can make a trigger at home, which is called a hot trigger. So when you're walking out the door, you have the bags hanging, ready to go. And you see me like, okay, they're there. They're in the car. They're ready to go. Or you have like a sign saying, don't forget the reusable bags. And that's an example of a hot trigger and it's there. But then triggers can also relate to our behaviors. So say that I finished brushing my teeth and then that's a trigger for me to then go to my yoga mat which is then a trigger for me to sit down and meditate, which is then a trigger for me to go and journal, which is then a trigger for me to do this and do that and do that. So you can relate triggers to behaviors or you can relate triggers to actual actions. Okay. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So it's kind of this idea that if we do something enough, it'll kind of like trigger us to go on to that next thing. So it's like if we continuously like brush our teeth and then go to our yoga mat, eventually it's like our body just knows like you brush your teeth, then you go to your yoga mat. Is that right? Yeah, so one behavior will lead to the next, and then all of a sudden, if you miss that behavior, that's when I kind of know that I've got a habit that's pretty much formed. It's like, say you go to bed and you haven't brushed your teeth. If you've been doing it regularly for a long time, you'll be like, something's missing, and you can't get to sleep until you fulfill that urge and go and brush your teeth. Yeah. So it's like it's like an impulse or like an urge that's driving you to do it. So eventually, if you practice your nightly routine long enough, then it'll be like, boom, and then that, and you'll be like almost doing it instinctively without thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find it really interesting when I think of the like habits that are very instinctive. Like I feel like brushing, brushing your teeth is like a really good universal one because I think almost everyone like wakes up and at some point in the morning they brush their teeth and then before you go to bed, you brush your teeth and it's something that we're taught from like a very, very young age. Like basically from the time that we grow teeth, we're like, that habit is something that we do. And it's so interesting how we just do it without questioning it or without changing it. And it's like, you know, if you've like come home really tired or maybe you've gone out for the night or something, you don't brush your teeth. It's like you wake up the next day and you're like, that was gross. Like I feel gross. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, right away. Yeah. It's so interesting how other things are so hard to make those regular habits. I just find it really interesting with our mindset. Well, if you look at young kids, that are trying to learn to brush their teeth <laughs> trying to get them to do it it's pretty hard so like everyone goes through that hard phase you just forget about it when you look at things that you've already accomplished and already have it yeah yeah absolutely yeah I do remember I do remember like bits and pieces of my childhood from that like my mom being like you're brushing your teeth and I remember I think we got like good tasting toothpaste for a while when we were kids 
because it's like, oh, it tastes good. So now it's like a fun activity to do or like, oh, I've got a fun princess toothbrush. So I guess as adults, we still need to find those like, like the good tasting toothbrush or like the fun toothbrush that you enjoy using within our habits. Exactly. That's like coming down to the whole motivational aspect where parents are pretty smart. They know, okay, if I make this fun and I make into it a game, they're going to be more likely to do it. And as they do it over time and do it over time, eventually they'll be doing it without me asking it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, and so I think another good kind of part to building habits is also as we build our good habits, we need to kind of remove our like bad habits or the the habits that don't serve us anymore. How do we, how do we remove those habits? Like, like for me, I would say that probably like snoozing and checking my phone as a form of wake up would be like uh, a part of my morning routine. That's not really serving me in a positive way. How do I, how do you kind of like get rid of that? Yeah. So like what you were saying before, so if we want to make a new habit, we want to make a habit that serves us, then we have to choose the path of least resistance and making it as easy as possible. So when we're trying to remove a behavior, we're doing the complete opposite and we're making it extremely hard. So if you had your phone, say, on the other side of the house in your one room, to go and check it would be a lot harder than if it was right next to you. So then that comes down to if you're trying to do a morning routine or like a nightly routine without looking at your phone and then just leaving it in somewhere else and then when it's out of your sight, you don't think about that too much. But if it's next to you, you're like, oh, what's going on here? And then so with turning off the snooze, like if you make it more resistance and you put your alarm clock out out of arm's reach where you have to get up, And then you make a rule to yourself, you write down, okay, so if I get up, I'm not going back to bed. It's like writing it down. It's kind of like a reaffirmation. Like there was a fun study done somewhere in the world, but they found that like if you write down something that you want to achieve and you're like, it's like increases the likelihood of 41%. Like they're doing it in relation to goals and dreams. And the people that actually wrote down their goals and dreams were 41% more likely to achieve them. So that's a little fun thing. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think just from personal experience, it's definitely like, sometimes it's scary to write something down that you're like, like a big goal or dream, but it definitely makes it more real and something more tangible if you actually take it out of your mind and put it on paper. So I think that that's definitely like a valid, a valid thing, at least for myself. It does. And then planning, like what I like to do is planning, not so for failure, but if it doesn't go the way, so it's like, if then, I will. So it's like, if I hit the snooze one time, then the next time I will get out of bed. So like planning that if that does happen, you've got a set plan. So it's not like, okay, it didn't go according to plan. I'm just going to abandon plans. So if you plan for like things that might get into the way, mm-hmm. then you've got a written action. So you'll, you already know what you're going to do. So it makes less resistance. I don't have to think as much like, okay, I've already written this down. I know what I'm going to do. And then you go to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's a, a really solid idea. This is definitely something that I'm going to put into action in my own life and just see see how it works with sort of my my non-serving serving habits in my life. I guess something I'm just thinking about with with non-serving habits is I think sometimes like we know that they're not positive for us, but like maybe they're still kind of enjoyable in a way. Like I'm thinking about I guess like snoozing is kind of enjoyable in the moment, not so much like later on when you're like, God, I really could have used this 30 minutes. Um, but I think same with like snacking late at night, for example, like it's nice to like make a bowl of popcorn and eat that. Uh, but then again, it's like later on, we're like, oh, 
I don't feel so great. But it's like we feel good kind of in the moment, but we know that we're not going to feel good later. How do we like, I guess, kind of have that mindset right then and there to be like, okay, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to say no to this. So there's two ways you could do it. So there's like the whole aspect of where you could cut it off completely from the source and be like, like kind of put it as your identity as I don't do that. So it's like if, say, you don't want to eat popcorn late at night, you can make a rule where I don't eat after 8 p.m. rather than saying I can't. Like this comes from a little study as well where they had two, like they had two groups and one group was saying that I can't eat sweets or something like that and one group was saying I don't eat sweets. And then they thought that was a whole experiment, but then it was like a double-blind study where the actual experiment was after the exper- experiment, mm-hmm. where after the experiment they were offered either a chocolate bar or a granola bar. And then the people that said, I don't eat chocolate, when they were offered a chocolate bar after, were like a lot less likely. Like It was a fairly high number. I can't exactly remember the number, but I think it was somewhere around like only a small number of them accepted at like 20% compared to 40%. And so the ones that said, I don't eat chocolate took the granola bar. And the ones that said, I can't eat chocolate were more likely to get the chocolate bar. So it's like making it a sense of your identity saying that I don't do this rather than saying I can't do this. Huh, that's so interesting. It's interesting how just like the shift in wording can make such a difference in action taken. It's crazy. It's like a lot of little things like that. But then it comes back to self-talk every day. Like if you believe something like the four-minute mile, no one could do it. And then all of a sudden they saw one person do it and then everyone could do it. It's like coming to a belief. So it's like if you believe in yourself and say, I don't do this, and coming from that center of like central belief, then it becomes a lot easier to not do that behavior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. Such an interesting like aspect of like the human mind and human psychology and stuff like that. Um, I'm curious with regards to, I, I mean, you've created this amazing journal that obviously helps create habits and, and it helps with all of that. What is sort of your thoughts on journaling as a practice? How has it benefited you and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so journaling to me has helped me a lot. Like, so I notice it a lot. So if I'm in a flow of things and I'm journaling every day and I'm getting my ideas down and I'm reflecting on where I can grow, then it makes it a lot, like, I don't know, I'm a lot more efficient, I'm a lot more effective, I feel better, I have more time. And then if I'm not, I like, I know I've got to do a lot of things. I know I've got to do this, I know this, but I'm not really growing or expanding. I just feel like I'm sort of stuck in a rut. So that's where journaling has helped me so much. And you see it a lot in studies where people journal, they plan out what they're going to do. So you're writing things down, you're increasing your likelihood to do something by 41%. It kind of comes back to the Zergenach effect. If they start to do something and they stop doing it, your brain wants to finish that behavior. So if you like write something down, like you're starting to do something and then your brain automatically wants to do it more. That's so interesting. Yeah. So they're like writing stuff down. So if you say like, I've got to do this today and you write down your things that you have to do and your biggest things first and then your least important one, you're sort of writing them down. So you're opening that loop and you start to do them in a way and then you want to, you're more likely to want to finish that behavior. Hmm, that's so interesting. Is do you feel like 
then if we are, say, shifting environments, like say we're going on a holiday or going traveling or we're moving or something like that, um, because I find for me that's like the time when when my habits kind of fall apart the most. And I travel a lot, so it's definitely, I have to be very, very conscious and intentional with it. Um, Do you feel like the writing aspect can be like a a helpful way to kind of stay on track with our habits or to get back on track after a vacation or something like that? I say it's extremely important. Like it comes down to when you're traveling, you're completely changing your environment. And then the environment's often a thing that triggers our behaviors. So if you can plan for it and write out what you're going to do. So if you know what it's going to be, where you're going to be, what your time frame is going to be like. So if you plan ahead and say, okay, I know I'm going to be here. I know I've got this. I know these are the things that are going to be the barriers. I'm going to still have the ability to do it by X, Y, and Z. So writing out, being prepared and saying, instead of, okay, I'm moving. I'm on holiday. I'm not going to do anything. Saying, coming from my frame, okay, I'm holiday. I still have time. I still want to do just this and this. And actually writing down exactly what you want to do and how you have the ability to do it. So say if you want to do, what's the thing like? Yoga, you can pretty much do everywhere with or without a mat. It's a lot easier if you're on carpet to use a mat. But if you don't have the ability for one thing, thinking of a way that you could grab the ability. So like planning out, okay, I can't do – say you want to do a small workout. Okay, I can't go to the gym, but I could still do a body workout or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so kind of just like – being intentional with it again and not thinking of it as like a complete break from your habits but just maybe like a shift in your environment and looking at like being intentional with how you're going to change your habits to match that environment yeah exactly and then obviously if you do miss a day because your environment's changing you're traveling you're jet lagged coming from a place of like once again ahimsa self-love being like okay i was traveling it was okay i was tired now I know why I want to do these habits and I know why I want to do these behaviors. So coming from a place of self-love and being like tomorrow or not even tomorrow if you've got time, like start doing them now and then be like, okay, I'm going to plan ahead and do this like the next day and the next day and the next day to make it come back to how I want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's amazing. And so the last thing I want to touch on is the Yogi's Journal. Um, so can you tell us I guess like a little bit about it, um, how it can sort of help people with their habits, their routines, and then of course where people can go to find it. Yeah, so I made the Yogi's Journal pretty much like I combined my knowledge with habits and yoga and Laura's obviously knowledge. She did a degree in psychology and then she's a very experienced yoga teacher in England. So we like kind of combined our knowledge and we wanted to make something that was for all aspects so if you're a teacher and you're just looking for that sort of like accountability partner it's like funny when we start helping others we often forget to help ourselves that's true (laughs) i don't know know why that happens but it happens a lot like when i get really busy and i'm worried okay i've got to help this person got to do this i got to do this and i'm like in a place of serving but then i'm not serving myself so i kind of wanted to make it as a tool that would remind me so it's like for me it's a trigger when i see it i'm like oh okay i open it up i'm looking and like I put the three things I'm grateful for as like a big thing. It's like gratitude is has been huge in my life. Like if you're having a very negative day, if you like switch your mind frame, okay, what am I grateful for today? And you focus on the things that you have and coming from a place of abundance instead of a lacking, then it completely changes your mind frame. So that's like the first thing is like changing it into a positive shift. 
and then focusing on setting your obviously setting your intention for the day is huge so if you go if you've ever had those days where you just wake up late you're not feeling too good and you just go through the motions and you don't set an intention and then you, you get to the end of the day and you feel like you haven't done anything and you're still in that negative place and then if you shift that into a place of setting an intention so like I set my intention for today. Today was just coming from a place of love Mm -hmm. because I woke up and I was feeling pretty icky. I've had a cold. The joys of coming from Australia. Every single bug that comes to Canada, I catch. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And this weather too. I don't know what it's like in St. Catharines, but yeah, I've been like just sniffly for the last like month and a half because Alberta is so cold. (laughs) I bet. I was looking, I saw pictures on facebook of one of my friends over there and there's snow there's snow. There eight degrees so it's not that bad <laughs> there, there's snow it's been in the negatives <laughs> well that doesn't sound like fun it's not <laughs> if you don't set an intention on those days it's so easy to get like so negative like if i set intention i'm going to come from a place of love or like forgiveness or happiness or helping others when you come, like, you set your intention and then you've already set it and you've written it down once, it's so easy to come back to that if something goes wrong. So if it's, like, really cold outside but it's flowing, you could be like, oh, my gosh, look at those snowflakes coming down. They're so beautiful. Look at the individually. Like, look how pretty the snow looks on the trees. Or you could just be like, it's cold. I'm miserable. I don't like life right now. Like, <laughs> it's crazy the difference that one little thing like that can make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And so if people want to get their own copy of the Yogi's Journal, where can they go to buy that? Yes, so the Yogi's Journal at the moment is available online at www.theyogisjournal.com. And then because I love, obviously, I listen to your podcast and I want to help as many people as possible. If it's something that sounds like you'd love to have a look at or would love to get, I can give you a 20% discount code. I'll just have to write it down so I remember to actually put it on the site. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure if maybe MBOM20. Okay. So MBOM20. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. And then if you have, obviously, if you have any questions you want to get in touch, just feel free to listen. Namaste at theyogisjournal.com. And then Jess gets that email. I have a look at it as well. So if you have any questions, feel free to send emails. I can help you as much as possible. Like obviously, there's a lot of things I'd love to talk about, but there's only so much time. <laughs> I know, I know. I feel like we've just barely kind of like skimmed the surface on on habits and routines and stuff like that. But you've definitely given me some inspiration to kind of switch up, switch up my routine, get rid of those those routines or those habits that aren't serving me anymore. And yeah, I'll definitely keep you posted on how it goes. And I'm excited to dive into my journal as well. Super excited. Can't wait to see how it goes. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Matt. Thank you for having me, Amanda. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. There is so much value packed into that episode. And if you are driving or you're somewhere where you can't take notes, it's all on the show notes over at mbomyoga.com. If you ever visit the website and you find that the show notes are missing something that were maybe brought up that you'd like to know about, just send me an email, send me a message, info at mbmyoga.com. I try not to miss anything, but you know, sometimes those things happen as the as the episodes are getting edited. So what I said at the beginning is that I was going to give you a quick little update on the last couple of months since I recorded this episode. 
So I mentioned in this episode that I was I was feeling a bit disgruntled with my morning routine, especially. So I started really actively using the Yogi's Journal, and I used a lot of the tips and tricks that Matt mentioned in this episode. So I started plugging my phone in outside of the bedroom, setting an alarm that I could hear, and turning my phone on do not disturb mode so that I wouldn't have any notifications. And basically what I would do is my alarm would go off and I would just immediately get out of bed and turn it off. And then right in my hallway in that little space, my mat was already unrolled. So all I would do is kind of pop onto my mat, move my body a little bit, and then I would go downstairs. My lemon water would already be out. I would just need to hit the kettle and then pour the hot water in. And then from there, I would go read for a couple of minutes on the couch, maybe like a chapter or two of my book, depending on how long it was. Then I would do a couple of pages from the Yogi's Journal and maybe write a little bit more in another journal or in the back of that journal before diving into my day. And so for me, I wanted to start out small. I wanted to have something that didn't feel like it was going to be a big time suck for me. And all of that takes about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how much I read. And I would know the days where I had more stuff going on and I could just read maybe a couple of pages while the kettle was heating up and my lemon water was cooling down. And the biggest thing for me was feeling empowered to just get out of bed and then trusting that I could just get up without snoozing a bunch. It just set my day up with a completely different tone. And then from there, sitting down and journaling without the disruption of my phone, because like I talked about in the episode, I would often wake myself up with Instagram. It was just so awesome. Like I certainly still go on Instagram, but now I wait until after I've opened my computer, kind of putzed around in my inboxes, sort of looked at what tasks are on my on my plate, and I'm fully awake and present. And it's just been a real big game changer. So if you've been struggling with mornings, morning routines, use some of these habits that Matt talked about. Definitely go check out the Yogi's Journal. You can find it at theyogisjournal.com. You can go yogisjournal.com forward slash MBOM, or you can use code MBOM20 to get that discount. And it's a seriously awesome journal. And the last thing I want to mention is that another resource that really helped me with all of this is the miracle morning. So basically I had heard about that and then I had this conversation with Matt. I had the Yogi's Journal and I felt like the universe was just giving me a sign that it was time to make a change. So I just dove in with all of it and I found that using all of that together was really awesome. I was building the habit of going for walks in the middle of my day and listening to a little bit of a podcast or an, uh, an audiobook. And so I downloaded the Miracle Morning on audiobook and it's only a couple of hours of listening and it's very, very powerful. So those are all my recommendations for you. I would definitely love to hear from you guys, hear how you resonate with this, what works for you. You can reach me again at info at mbomyoga.com. You can DM me on Facebook. You can DM me on Instagram. It's Mastering the Business of Yoga. You can reach out in the private Facebook community, Yoga Business Badasses. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. Namaste.